open the Word of God to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. Just wanted to read a verse that I, that I shared with you last week. Then we'll get into this week's uh, theme, which, which runs uh, right after last week's message. So I'll just share the verse and one or two things that I shared. Uh, the children can be dismissed at this time. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34. That was last week's theme verse. But I wanted to share it so we could establish the preaching pattern that we've had the last couple of weeks. The word of the Lord reads in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Notice it didn't just say seek his kingdom. It says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What will be given to you? Houses, food, clothing. In other words, people worry about these things, Jesus said. But seek the kingdom first and all those things will be added. It's an add-on. It's not even the priority for God. God will take care of you. That's his heart. He's a giving God. But he says, seek my kingdom first and his righteousness. Righteousness has to do with, with several things. One of them is that when you come to Christ, he declares you righteous. He declares you clean. He declares you forgiven. So that aspect of righteousness is automatically given as part of his gift to us. But the other aspect of righteousness is right living. See, the kingdom of God means that there's a kingdom. Kingdom means a place where citizens live. There are laws, right? So in the kingdom of God, there are laws. There are ways that we live. We shun hatred. We shun uh, killing people or hurting people or wounding people. We shun that. That's part of his kingdom. His kingdom is love. So there's a lot more to it, but we seek that first. And then all the other things will be added. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Wow, that's like 70% of the congregation right there. Because we all, we're all worry warts many times. But it says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. In other words, God was saying, I've got you. I, I have you. I'm, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then in Revelation 2, 4 and 5, it said, yet I have this or I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So what had happened in that time, God was speaking to people that although they love God, they had fallen from that first place aspect. Remember, do not forsake your first love. See, it has to be the kingdom of God. God first. Love God. Love your neighbor. That is first. And he expects that from us because he has given us so much. To whom much is given, much is required. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom and understanding. Open up the eyes of our understanding. I pray, Lord God, that you uh, preach, Lord God, through me. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips, I pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, teach us. Open up the eyes of our understanding that we might truly understand your kingdom, that we might truly understand your love, your grace to us, and that we might also understand how important our part is to play here on earth, Lord God, as your ambassadors, as your children, uh, as kingdom of God citizens. We give you the glory for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. So last, last week I established 
uh, several priority principles. The first priority principle was love God and love your neighbor. When we love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, what happens is, is everything that we do will manifest that love. Everywhere you go, people will know that you love God. Why? Because you are loving God first. So your actions reflect that. Your communication reflects that. But then it also says, love your neighbor too, as you love yourself. It's interesting because for me to love my neighbor is easy. For me to love my neighbor as I love myself is extremely difficult. I can say I love you, right? The, the uh, singer uh, or the rock star, I love you, New York, right? But do they really love us? No, they love the fact that you brought your money there and, you know, you attended uh, them, you gave them some love by showing up, by screaming and all that other good stuff. But when it comes time to take care of a need, will they be there for you? The answer is pretty much not. They will not be there, right? So for us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, first and foremost, it assumes that you love yourself. Question, do you love yourself? <laughs> Sometimes. The truth of the matter is, because of our upbringing, many times we don't. We don't think very much about ourselves. Many times we have to grow to the place where we appreciate ourselves. God has no problem with you loving yourself or appreciating yourself, especially if you understand who you are in Christ. When we know that we're creations of Almighty God, God loves us. He has a purpose for us. We learn to appreciate ourselves. People say, probably have said terrible things about you as you were growing up. Remember when we were growing up, going to school, uh, how, our, how our friends would treat us sometimes? Anybody here? You remember that? I tell you, man, I was raised in a difficult time, a difficult, difficult neighborhood uh, in terms of all the, uh, the politics, uh, the rhetoric. Um, I was raised in 108th Street between, um, I want to say, 8th Avenue and Manhattan Avenue. Anybody know the area? And, you know, I, I went to Booker T. Washington Junior High School between 108th and 107th. I went to PS 165, 109th Street between Amsterdam and, uh, I want to say Amsterdam and Broadway. Okay. But I say all that to say is I was raised in the 60s. And there was a lot of hate, a lot of pain going on during that time. And uh, I remember uh, there was a lot of gangs. I'm talking about, you know, Young Lords gangs, uh, you know, the savages, the savage nomads. And I remember during that time and, and the things I was told, uh, even from my family, uh, the way I was treated in the community, uh, I did not really appreciate life. I didn't appreciate myself. I didn't think much of myself. And, you know, uh, being a, a, a Hispanic, for me, I understood it because I was raised in that family. But the minute I left my home, that wasn't clear anymore because there were so many dynamics, racial dynamics, racial tensions, um, evil in the streets. Uh, 108th Street uh, was pretty much very difficult, but 107th Street was even more difficult because there was a drug lair there. And then 109th Street, the savages were right there, literally living right there. And you would pass by 109th Street, right by Alca de Refugio, the church that was right there, and you see the savages just hanging out all the time with their motorcycles, with their you know, gang stuff all over them, right? 
And I would pass by. They said, where you going? Uh, what, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing in our turf? And I said, no, 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 I'm all right. I will have to cross the street. I remember one time they got me on 109th Street in Amsterdam. I was going into the building because I had to pick up my basketball from a president of one of the gangs. I didn't know what gang he belonged to because I didn't care. I was playing ball, basketball in the big yard in 108th Street, and the gang leader asked me for the ball. So I just gave him the ball. He said, go pick it up from my apartment, uh, you know, at such time, such date. So I did. I went to 109th Street. And as soon as I try to enter the building, two savages, gang, gang guys, not no, savages like animals, <laughs> two gang savages, they were standing there, one to the right, one to the left, they were watching their building. But I had to enter there to get my basketball. And you know, as a teenager, basketball costs a lot of money. See, now at this age, if they ask me for the basketball, I'll give it to them, and I, I'll just say, okay, you can keep it. But at that time, I, I wanted my basketball. That's the only toy I had, you know. So I tried to enter, and immediately they grabbed me. They said, what are you doing in our turf? No, I'm just going to pick up. Oh, no, no, no. They handcuffed me, and their next goal was to throw me off the roof. And so they were taking me up, and meanwhile I'm crying. I don't know, I'm 13 years old, and I'm crying. Please, what are you doing? We all live here. It's the same community. They didn't want to hear it. I was, that's it, man. I was going to meet the Lord that day if there was no divine intervention. As we're passing by the sixth floor, somebody opens up the door. One of their apartments, four apartments. Open up the door. It happened to be Cesar, the gang leader. It happened to be the guy I lent the basketball to. So he opens up the door and he sees them taking me to the roof. He says, where are you taking that boy? I'm going to throw him off the roof, man. He came to our turf. And during those days, if you were raised in that neighborhood, you knew a lot of kids were dead in backyards. And I was going to be the next one. And so he looks at me and says, that's all right, you can let him go. That's just that simple. The next floor was the roof. And this man just happens to open up the door the very time we're passing by. Couldn't have taken any more than half a minute to take me through there. But at that exact moment, he opens up the door. And to top it off, I had done him a kindness. Right? So he says, you can let him go. They took the handcuffs off. I went. He gave me my basketball. And I went home. See, it was that simple. But, see, and I know it was God. Now, looking back, God literally intervened. Had he not intervened, I would not have been here today. So I'm here standing as a miracle. I could tell you a lot more stories, by the way. That's just one of of, of them. But the reason why I'm sharing that is to let you know that as I was growing up, man, there was not much positive uh, influence in my life. And I learned to not appreciate myself. I didn't like life too much. But I remembered when I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, they said, God loves you. And for the first time, they personalized it to me. And I knew that there was a God somewhere. I would go to the Catholic church, and first thing I would do, I would enter the church, and I would dip my finger in the water, you know, and I'd do this. And I knew that meant something, so I did it because my parents did that and because uh, the other Catholics would do that. But I really didn't know what it meant. But what really got me and would always get me was that man on the cross, at the front where the altar was. You would look at him and he was very sad. You could see he had suffered. You could see this was some form of brutal torture he had gone through. But I didn't understand what that was. But that day when they taught about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's good news, and that Christ died for me and he's no longer on the cross. He's now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. So when I heard that for the first time, God loves you, I was like, why in the world would God love me? 
And then that day, they shared why he loves us. And they shared and expounded on that truth that the Bible talks about, but many of us miss it. And I said, wow, he really does love me? So from that moment became, uh, to me, of course, a discovery. A discovery of the love of God. A discovery of how he loves me individually. Not just he loves the world. He loves me. So say to your neighbor, God loves the world, but he loves me. Hallelujah. That's precious. And so I, re- I learned to appreciate who I was because everywhere in the scripture, when it spoke about me, when I came into relationship with Christ, he said, I can do all things through Christ who loves me. He, he, he loves me with an eternal love. He has a purpose and a destiny for me. I would see those verses and read them to myself over and over. And I was, all, I was able to overcome a hatred that I had for maybe not myself, but just for life in general and for what people, people had mistreated me. And I remember I knew some guys in the community that had beat me up when I was a kid. And I was waiting to grow up a little bit to get some, you know, body size on me. I needed some body mass to, you know, to get back at them. Yeah, because they, they would beat you up hard those days. And they would leave you on the floor all bloodied up. And I, and I said, I remember, I, I know that guy. They would pass by and say, I know that guy. When I get a body on me, man, I put under that guy. I, yeah, I was filled with hatred. I was filled with anger. And, you know, I, I got saved. And then uh, a couple of years later, I still have the same hatred in my heart. Or it now wasn't hatred anymore, but it was more of a resentment. It was more like a root of bitterness in me. And one day, I'm looking at the community. I'm seeing all the people. And, and then suddenly, God speaks to my heart. He says, I can't work with you this way. Unless you forgive, unless you learn to forgive these individuals, I cannot work with you and work through you and share my love with them. Because they need my love. And how that I'm going to share my love through you is if, if you hate them, if you're angry at them. I went, oh, man, that's hard. I don't like them very much. See, yeah, but in the future, you're going to minister to them. Oh, man, that's so hard. All right. So I didn't know the principle of forgiveness at that time. I was ignorant of how powerful the principle of, ign- uh, of, of forgiveness is in the life of a Christian. But what I did that moment, I said, well, then, Lord, by faith I forgive because I really don't feel it. You're going to have to help me with this. And that's what I did. So I said, I forgive in the name of Jesus. Now, did they deserve it? No. They deserved for me to go up right upside, I mean, just right upside their head, you know. That's what they deserved. <clears throat> but I had to forgive them. <clears throat> Later on in life, One of those very guys, one of those very bullies in prison, the Lord Jesus Christ manifests to him right in prison. The man gets saved. God raises him up. He becomes a pastor in the Bronx. He becomes a bishop. Now he's traveling. Then in the midst of me working with other pastors in the city, with Promise Keepers, with the Marches for Jesus, and all these other good, wonderful events that brought us together from time, and continue to bring us together from time to time. I meet this guy, I look at him and says, you? And he goes, you? <laughs> it just happened that he was one of the gang guys. His name is Sal Sabino. Some of you might know him. He's a very well-known pastor in the Bronx. My man was... He was bad. <laughs> These are the type of guys that, you know, if you, if you cross them in any way, immediately the gun came out and they started shooting. And I saw them sometimes. Just, what? And they start shooting at guys. Uh, you know, we have a, uh, a word in, in the 70s 
they were, most of them were psyche. You know what psyche means? If, if you know that, you're, you're getting on in age. In other words, they couldn't shoot straight. So they would shoot all over the place. They missed the guys, but, but the, <laughs> huh? they didn't take any training. They would just grab a gun and start shooting. But the point is, is now I'm facing a guy that I formerly hated. But because I had the love of God in my heart, he had the love of God in, my heart, in his heart, we bonded, and now we're the best of friends. We're the best of friends. And I remember how God had to minister to me that I had to release some hatred I had, some resentment I had, some roots of bitterness I had, some offense that was perpetrated against me. I had to release it because there was a bigger picture here. Well, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe not. But when Jesus came on earth and he lived the perfect life, he did that while we were yet sinners. While we were yet breaking the law of God, he came and he died for us in advance, knowing an outcome that would happen later on. And here's the thing with forgiveness. When you forgive, you are seeking a move in advance. You're doing something in advance and, and you're, 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 you're trusting God for a response that will happen later on. But by the same token, forgiveness releases you from torment. And a little while, a little while later, we're going to get into that. But I want to read some verses to you. But today, him and I were great friends. And you know, I went to his church, I want to say about a month ago. Several of you went to church with me. How, how many of you went to Sabino's church? I mean, yeah. Well, I, I, I thank God you were able to go. But we were talking in his office. With, there was other pastors there. And we were laughing at what we, you know, we experienced when we were kids. And he was, oh, yeah, man, I was, I was horrible, man. God had to save me. I said, yeah, you're right. You were horrible. And you did this and this and that. And we could laugh about it because we were free. We were set free. And, you know, and I, I, was so, uh, um, I was so proud of him because it was a special service for somebody that wasn't in that circle for a good friend of ours that, that is sick. So we all got together as churches and raised some money to send it to a friend who had a stroke. You see? So you might, some of you might have seen that on Facebook, if you're, a friend, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook. But the beauty about it is today we're best of friends because we have learned the power of forgiveness. We've been forgiven, and we in turn have forgiven others. Praise God. So power principle, uh, number one, is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, all of your soul, all your body. Second one is what? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So those principles work very powerfully. And there was even a third one that we discussed last week. Maybe at the end I'll share it with you. But Matthew chapter 6, 30, uh, chapter six verse 33 is very, very powerful. And I just read it for you so that you could have it in your spirit. But I'm going to go now to, to another See, I'm going to go to forgiveness now. Forgiveness is very, very powerful. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through, th through 6. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Then he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Did you hear that? Some people want a world free of offense. Now we're talking about microaggressions. Anybody heard that term? Some of these microaggressions are the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
We've got to learn to suck some things up and take it. Because the world will always have offense. There will be always some genius, insensitive person around you. So what are we going to do? We're going to sue everybody? We're going to have to sue everybody all the time. Truth of the matter is, we have to develop, like my pastor years ago would say, some alligator skin. Thick skin, because some people are insensitive. And not only that, we ourselves have been insensitive sometime in our life. Anybody here?